Welcome, friends. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. The Lord hears the cries of the people. The works of the Lord are great. Remember what God has done. God has done miracles, and the Lord always remembers God's covenant. Give thanks to the Lord. Glory and praise are due to our great and mighty, gracious, merciful, good, kind, and loving God. And as we consider this great God of the universe, the sovereign of all, we see our sin for what it is. And so trusting in God's mercy, let's confess our sins against God and our neighbors. Let's pray. Gracious God, we have sought after things, but we have not sought after you. We have expected generosity, but we have not shown generosity. We have not been gracious nor grateful. We have failed to remember all that you have done. Forgive us and fill our hearts with gratitude. Help us share our gifts and strengthen our legs so that we can run after you Oh God. Amen. Hear the good news, people of God. Our sins are forgiven. We are reconciled to God. Let us therefore love one another with gratitude in our hearts and praise on our lips. Amen. Thanks be to God. And may the peace of Christ be with you, my friends. We respond to God's forgiveness by living our thanks according to God's word. Hear now God's will for our lives from Philippians 1.27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. May it be so to the glory of God. We're going to consider the words of Jesus today and a parable from the gospel of Matthew. Before we do that, let's ask for the Spirit's help. O oh, Spirit of God, let the wisdom of your word rain down on us like manna and feed us, so that we may be strengthened to do the work to which we are called, for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. Amen. So the parable that I'm reading for you today is from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. And this is the parable of the vineyard workers. Hear the word of the Lord. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. 
About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We humans do have an innate sense of right and wrong, justice and injustice. We want life to be fair. It disturbs us when there is favoritism, discrimination, preferential treatment. When things seem off and others seem more privileged, Envy can easily creep in and settle in our bones. The envy can go even deeper. For example, is it fair that any child should struggle with health issues like cancer, epilepsy, mental disorders? Is it fair to have health care disparities? Is it fair to have a spouse taken from you before their time? Is it fair to lose your job through no fault of your own? Is it ever fair to be treated like a second-class citizen? Pat answers to people's genuine struggles will not do, such as, you just need to work hard and hope for the best. We have to take what is given us and accept these things. Think of all those starving children in India, or the even more crass, suck it up, buttercup, life was never meant to be a rose garden. Those statements are simply unhelpful. At the heart of envy is the belief that others are getting something that I deserve. It isn't fair, we cry. Yet God does not always operate according to our standards of fairness. God's very nature is to be generous and full of grace. The parable which Jesus told about the vineyard workers is a story not of unfairness, but a story of generosity and grace. It's all in how you look at it. A normal workday in the ancient world was 10 hours, not counting breaks. The workday began at 6 a.m. A denarius was a typical day's wage for laborers. The landowner went out at the third hour, 9 a.m., the sixth hour, at noon, 
and he kept returning to hire more workers even up to the last hour of the workday. Laborers were always paid at the end of the day. In this parable, the last workers were paid first, which prompted the first workers hired to think they would be getting more, even though they had been promised a denarius. So they grumbled about not getting more. They thought the landowner was not being fair. So out came the grumbling, complaining, murmuring. It is the bane of our existence. Decades ago, when gas station attendants still filled tanks for customers, I was working at a gas station and had a lady go absolutely berserk on me for not checking her oil and cleaning her windshield. Because I did it for the car in front of her, but I did not do it for her. Even though there was a sign right in front of her that said checking oil and cleaning windshields is only done upon request and the people in front of her had requested it, the lady thought she was getting gypped. In truth, the landowner did not cheat nor defraud the workers in any way. He paid the agreed-upon wage, just like he promised. Should he want to pay everyone the same, even though the amount of work was different, was his own business. The problem was not with the owner, it was with the workers' envy of the owner's generosity toward the others. Maybe I need to say that once more. The problem here was not with the owner, it was with the workers' envy of the owner's generosity toward others. God distributes gifts because God is gracious not because we have earned anything. Our standard of fairness is not the rule of the kingdom of God. Grace is the rule. Deep down, many believe we control our own destiny and that we save ourselves by what we do. We discern that if we serve God all of our lives, in the end, God will reward us, right? We believe that our pious activities, our acts of service, our work for the Lord will bring us certainly salvation or at least a leg up in the kingdom of God over others who have not worked as hard or as long as we have. After all, we do the right thing. So what about those who have not figured out Christianity? Those who have not uh, had the opportunity to get the correct or proper beliefs, or those who have not straightened out their lives. According to a worldview of human fairness, well, they're out of luck. They should be in church. They should work harder, or faster, or better. Then they could get their lives in order. If they would only understand fairness, we reason, then all would be well. But there is a problem because the parable of the workers told by Jesus seems to be saying that is not how it all works at all. Jesus seems to be saying that grace and grace alone saves, that God's amazingly naive and irresponsible grace is available to anyone and everybody, and that troubles the workers to no end. What's in it for me? 
whenever we run headlong into God's unfair grace and see that God's way of doing things is so far removed from our way, there is bound to be grumbling. After all, if God is going to run a vineyard like the one in the gospel lesson and give everybody the same pay regardless of their actual work hours, then what's the use of getting up early in the morning to work? What's the good of sitting in church, listening to sermons from a crazy preacher who is no better than us, if these outsiders, these Johnny and Jane-come-latelys, can just waltz in at the last minute and receive the same treatment as the rest of us? For many church folks who diligently serve, it's not fair to pay so much attention to outsiders and build ministry around people who aren't even here, who don't yet know Jesus. The conclusion and the point of the parable is this. The last will be first, and the first will be last. In Luke's prodigal story, the elder brother grumbles and gripes and says, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf. It's the firstborn son that complains. In both the parable of the prodigal son and the parable in today's gospel lesson, quote-unquote, good people are the ones who fail to see the heart of the father and of the landowner. The first got off track because over time, they forgot the kingdom hinges on grace, not effort on not simply doing the right things over a long period of time, as important as that is. So who's really in control? God controls the flow of mercy, not us. We might be surprised in heaven with those already sitting at God's banquet table, and equally surprised with who is not there. Resentment can move us away from the table of mercy God is preparing. The problem comes whenever we think we are above other people. We might be sinners, but we're not as bad as some of those other people. We commit ordinary sins, not mass murder. Here is the unvarnished truth. God does not owe you nor I a thing. And God cares about all kinds of people, not just you or me or us and people who think and live like we do. Our hearts need to be big enough to center ministry around other people who are different than we are. If our hearts are small, we easily get jealous when God pays attention to prodigals and profligates. Grace becomes too repugnant a doctrine for us. <clears throat> the gospel of Jesus Christ is about grace. Life is not all about being decent or even moral, and it's certainly not about our own goodness. The gospel is about being steeped in and surrounded by the grace of God in Jesus Christ so that we, in turn, can show others grace. 
Grace is the way God deals with us beyond what we deserve or feel we have earned. Grace is, frankly, unfair. We get what we do not deserve. So may we allow God's grace to so permeate and awash our hearts and our lives so that we will give it to others as freely as we have received it. Oh, praise be to you, almighty and everlasting Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ you have given us every spiritual blessing in heaven. You chose us before the world was made, and in love, to be your holy people. It pleased you to make us your own children through Jesus Christ. So we praise you because of your wonderful grace given to us freely in Jesus Christ, the one you love, in whom we have been taught to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining me today, my friends. Oh, we rely on grace. Grace is the spiritual air that we breathe. If it wasn't existent, we wouldn't be existent. So we simply say thank you to God for the wonderful grace and mercy given to us in Christ and made known to us in the strength and the enablement of the Holy Spirit. And so with such a God, such a gracious God that we serve, we go out into the world with God's blessing. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and encouragement of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, brothers and sisters, to serve the Lord.